you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer, and I'm here with my slightly less homeless-looking co-host, Matt Hartwell. You're looking a little looking a little clean today, Matt. You get a little haircut? You freshen up a little bit? I did, man. I got myself a little haircut, you know, uh, thought what would be primed for be like to be an excellent uh, victory weekend, I was hoping. But uh, alas, you know, but uh, hey, I look good, so... Well, you that. always you always look good, but you just got a, an extra little sparkle about you today. So, uh, you know, you mentioned that you thought it would be a victory weekend. It is not. Uh, we've got a great show anyway, though. We're going to talk a little bit about Michigan basketball, which is depressing right now. But hang on, listeners. Don't worry. There's some good news, too. We'll rip the Band-Aid off, talk about Michigan basketball. Um, then we'll talk a little bit about football. We've got some coaching news. We've got the combine. We've got uh, some announcements, you know, so uh, there's there's never really a stop in the college football news cycle, and we're going to capitalize on all of that. So you guys stick around, even if you are equally as disappointed about basketball as we are. But uh, let's kick things off talking about Juwan Howard and the Michigan basketball team. Michigan loses yet another close game at the end against a quality opponent when they had a double digit lead at halftime it's like a broken record at this point over and over and over again we've seen the same story and really the one silver lining in all of it was a game that played out exactly the same but hunter dickinson just happened to hit a long ass three to win it right at the end and so this michigan team has an identity unfortunately for michigan fans that identity is not good Matt, Indiana 75, Michigan 73 in overtime. What is your initial assessment? My initial assessment, Mike, uh, well, when the game went to overtime, it was just doom and gloom. I think uh, for me, for most Michigan fans, as you know, I manage the Maze and Brew socials accounts. So the general consensus I was getting from most Michigan fans was that we were going to lose this game. and. I don't say that to be a dick. I mean, I obviously was still hanging there on the edge of my seat, hoping that we would pull it out till the very, very last seconds. But just a a bad juju in the air from this season, man. You know, these situations have just not ended well for Michigan basketball this year. And you hate to see it because in college basketball, there's so much spontaneity and like uh, a... underdog coming back to win it that you wouldn't expect to hit the final shot you know what i mean cinderella stories but michigan just does not i mean barring the uh the wisconsin win michigan just has not come up with those moments in the last the last moments of the games to uh to pull out victories in these close ones and it's fucking sad dude Yeah, you just blew my mind, though. I think you just created a word. You just said spontaneity, which is like spontaneity and continuity together. Like I'm, I'm gonna have to weave that. (laughs) I'm gonna have to weave that into a sentence at some point in my life. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the box score, and the thing that sticks out to me is 
these guys were coming off, coming off of a double overtime loss against Illinois where the starters played just abnormally high minutes, right? And, and so you think, well, Jawan's going to have to mix in some bench players to keep these guys fresh. And, and we saw, I mean, the first 16 minutes of the game, Michigan looked flat. They weren't making any shots. The ball movement was rough. It looked like they didn't, didn't even want to win the game. Um, luckily for us, they turned it on and made it, made it a little bit more enjoyable uh, you know, of a contest. But I'm looking at the box score, and, and we got good numbers from our starters. But outside of Terrace Reed with 23 minutes, we didn't really see anybody off the bench. Jet Howard, I mean, I'm sorry, Jace Howard got zero minutes. So he, he checked into the game technically, but he didn't even stay in long enough to clock a minute. Uh, Joey Baker, four minutes. Uh, T. Will, six minutes, which kind of seems like uh, the coaching staff has given up on Terrence Williams, by the way, which I think we all gave up. I, I, would, I don't want to say we gave up on him, but you know, we've been asking for some, some uh, you know, fresh blood in there with Will Cheddar, but uh, you got to believe that, that fatigue was a factor at the end of this game because these guys have played a lot of highly competitive minutes in the last week, and you know, they looked kind of flat in overtime. They looked like they couldn't really compete, and they still had a chance to win it at the end. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's rough. I mean, we, we've got Doug McDaniel coming back next year. We've uh, maybe Kobe Bufkin, maybe Hunter Dickinson. Jet is probably gone. So it's, you know, it's a talented team, but um, I really don't want to just say, well, you know, this was the most disappointing Michigan basketball team in history. I, you know, and so now I'm trying to be optimistic and I'm looking at the Big Ten tournament. I'm thinking, well, we probably have to win the tournament to get in, at least make it to the championship game and show out in the championship game. And that's really our only shot. Uh, there's no chance. You know, if we get knocked out of the Big Ten tournament, there's no chance uh, that we're going to make, make March Madness, make the, the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you know, I uh, I just think that for a while I felt really encouraged during this game because the offense was was running through Kobe Bufkin for a time. You know, it looked like they kind of had a little come to Jesus moment, and uh, and Kobe was taking a lot of a lot of shots, getting a lot of looks. Uh, the ball was immediately getting floated his way over from Doug after we crossed half court. You know, so. It looked like they had a clear uh, identity in mind, you know, like we were also getting some good looks looks to Hunter down low in the second. And uh, and then we just kind of went completely away from Buffkin, or I don't know what happened. Like, I kind of I kind of got to know what's the deal with that a little bit, you know, just because I feel like he was really coming in hot, in the, especially in that second half. We got completely away from that. I don't know if it's a confidence thing on his part. I don't know if it's like designed looks for Dickinson or other guys, but he just wasn't taking a lot of shots that I would have liked him to take in those last uh, few minutes and then in the final few minutes of overtime. And I just got to know what that was all about because I feel like that plays into why we let it slip away. But man, just so frustrating, dude. Well, yeah, and I, I'm... I didn't have time before the pod to to gather this list, but I'm I'm going to do it later and probably post a graphic or something. But 
I I think it it may be ten games this season that we've been leading in the second half and given away late in the game. I mean it it's it's an abnormally large amount and um you know this team is probably NIT bound at this point. I it pains me to say that, but uh you know I'm not one to give up on give up on watching basketball but let me ask you matt because some people i know i know i see a lot of people on social media media saying that they wouldn't even watch the nit tournament would uh would you watch the nit i mean i would watch it just out of support i love the michigan wolverines through and through no matter if they let me down and leave me heartbroken uh on nights like like these but it would be hard man i'd uh, I had tweeted out something earlier this week, just like the general talk about NIT. It just breaks my heart, you know, just because uh, Michigan's a tournament team, you know. We uh, we like to see Michigan in talks to uh, be in a good spot for the tournament around this time. And uh, it sucks. If this team doesn't make the NCAA tournament, then it will be the most disappointing team of my lifetime. And you're talking to a guy that clearly remembers the Tommy Amaker and the Brian Ellerby years. But the difference is, is those teams, most of them really didn't have that much talent. Um, you know, the Amaker 10 year drought, it, you know, they, they were, they had some good teams, but nothing, nothing even close to the talent that this team has. And nobody cares about the NIT. Let's, let's just be realistic. Nobody cares about the NIT. Would I watch the NIT? Yes. Would I support the team? Yes. Uh, do I want us to win the NIT if we're in it? Absolutely. Does anybody care? No. Nobody cares about the NIT. You know, and, and the even the players and coaches don't. You know, probably don't care as much. It's just it's like practices. They get to develop their team for next year and maybe show out a little bit for the NBA draft. Um, but you know, I want to transition to a segment that we call "What's the Deal." Because I don't want to get off of basketball quite yet. Because I'm, you can probably tell I'm a little hyped right now. I'm a little, I'm feeling like I'm, you know, I need to rant about Michigan basketball. And so for our listeners, if you've been listening a while, you know, we have a very simple segment. It's called What the Deal? What's the deal? Matt and I will ask, what's the deal about something going on in sports? Usually Michigan related, sometimes not. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's pretty simple. So for me, the thing that's got me saying what's the deal this week is the Michigan basketball team late in games. At this point, we've seen time and time again, they look like they don't know what they're doing, specifically in the final minute and the final plays of the game. And that is a reflection of the coach. It, it is a reflection of the coach. I love Juwan. I don't think that we should fire Jawan. He's already shown that he can have some success, especially in the postseason. Since he's been the coach at Michigan, he's won more postseason games than any other coach in the Big Ten. So I'm not saying fire Jawan, but we've got to see more. He's got to do better. His his teams look like they don't know what the hell they're doing at the end of basketball games. And if 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 the players have to improve, the coach also has to improve. He's got to do better late in games what is the deal Jawan howard i'm with you man just way too many mistakes down at the end there you know uh 
I know the the play call like itself structurally was good to Dickinson, uh, but I mean it's just the most predictable call out there. Immediately, guys were all over him. It uh, it just I I don't know. And then Buffkin, um, I mean that's an error on his part, the attempted pass to Dickinson. But like you said, it's a reflection of coaching. So what's the deal? Uh, but all right, I'm let's gonna. I'm going to steer us away from basketball. Please do. Please do. I'm over it. I'm over it right now. I'm going to steer us away from basketball. Get us going on some football over to the NFL combine. I'm a little segue, if you will. My what's the deal this week is specifically dedicated to um, primarily the Detroit Lion fan base, but also just the general viewing public of uh, college and pro football in general. What's the deal about all of this hype centered around Anthony Richardson, AR from the Florida Gators? You know, as you know, I come from a a family of Gator fans. My in-laws, diehard alumni, Gator fans. I watch almost every Gator game every week. So I'm right there invested with them, you know, uh, not the same as I would be with the Michigan Wolverines, but I'm right there with them with their heartbreak that uh, they experienced last year. And Anthony Richardson, I mean, he's a total diva. I mean, you saw him showboating out at the Combine. Uh, the guy can jump pretty high, I guess, and he's got big hands. So there's just all this, uh, all of this, you know, desire for Anthony Richardson to end up with the Detroit Lions from Lions fans, which has me screaming what's the deal, uh, but also just everybody that's being fooled. It's got Joe Milton written all over it for me is what it has. Uh, It's a typical Joe Milton, pull the wool over your eyes, next Cam Newton, uh, drama BS. And so what's the deal, everyone? AR is not who you think he is. He's not going to be the NFL caliber Cam Newton that you're thinking that he is. 50% completion percentage. Uh, The Florida Gators record last year speaks for itself. So what's the deal? Yeah, I was at, I got to be honest with you, Matt. So I've seen all of the hype around Anthony Richardson, and I just keep on scrolling whenever I see it. I'm just SEC quarterback. It's just not really my my jam. So I just, I don't even really know that much about the guy. So I apologize. I was looking away when you were, when you were ranting there, because I was actually looking him up. I wanted to see kind of like what, what, what is the deal with this guy? And I initially I saw 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions, which looks like is his junior season. Is that right? He's, do you know, is he coming off of his junior year? I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not a diehard Gator, but I know that yeah. he uh, he sat behind uh, Emory Jones for a while, and then there was a situation where the two of them were like in a shared situation, kind of like what Michigan had. But uh, yeah, I think I think you might be correct. And then this is weird because it, yeah, fifty three point eight percent completion percentage, but his his average distance is 7.8 yards. And so I don't know. I didn't watch a lot of Florida this year, but that leads me to believe that the, that means the dude couldn't hit anybody down the field and all of his a completions. A lot of check downs. Yeah, a lot of check downs. And, 
And for a guy that has a bunch of checkdowns, a 53% completion percentage is not great. So he might have the measurables, but uh, you know, I'm going to speak to you because I know you're a Detroit Lions fan. It, Jared Goff definitely uh, beats out this guy. Uh, ten days out of ten, I'm just uh, just from what I'm looking at right now. So, all right, man. Uh, I, you know, I've got some exciting. Uh, I've got an exciting interview that I did uh, that we're going to plug in here. And so earlier this week, I got to talk a little bit with Clayton Safey, and he's the uh, he's a staff writer and social media manager at the Wolverine.com, which is now owned or run by On3. And Clayton, uh, I know Matt, you're familiar with him. He does a lot of amazing work. And so I'm excited to share with our listeners a brief interview that I did with him uh, earlier in the week. So here, here it goes. We'll be right back. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another Wolverine Chronicle exclusive interview and I am very excited for this one. We love sports because we fall in love with the narratives and the story. The main characters in those stories are obviously the players and the coaches, but it's easy to overlook that the ones telling us the story shape our perspectives. And if you're a University of Michigan sports fan like I am, there's a very good chance that this guy has at least somewhat shaped your perspective on Michigan sports. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to have with me Clayton Safey, staff writer and social media manager at The Wolverine. Clayton, how are you, man? I'm doing great. That was a that was a heck of an intro. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I'm just working my way up, but uh, I appreciate all the kind words, man. It's great to be on. Well, your name is just about everywhere. When I look, uh, you know, when I when I'm looking things up and I'm I'm checking out Michigan sports, it's you know I'll see a cool story and I'm like, there he is again, Clay. Did I say your last name right? By the way, it's Safey, right? Yep. That's correct. Yeah. Cool. I, I read it all the time, but I've never actually heard it. So I wanted to make sure I gave you the proper introduction. Um, and then the Wolverine has, the, uh, so like the Wolverine.com, I've been very familiar for a while. How long have you guys been with on three? So since November of 2021, we made the move over from a prior network to on three, which was kind of just a few months in at that point. So we've been there. We also have our magazine which has been, I believe, I want to say the 80s, but at least the 90s has been coming out. Uh, so we're monthly there and do our football preview. So we're kind of a little old school with the, uh, you know, with the, you know, still handheld. You can get a magazine if you want to hold it, uh, but also online with On3, which is kind of cutting edge a little bit here and, and just popped up in the last couple of years. There's going to be like 40% of the people that listen to or watch this interview, they're going to be like, what the heck is a magazine? Well, like, what is this guy even talking about? Right. <laughs> it's fun to have a, like a physical copy of something. I mean, I'm 26 years old. Like I grew up where we, you know, didn't have too many magazines and everything like that. But I mean, there's just something about having it and seeing the cover and, you know, our covers are all basically Michigan football players every single month, some basketball and whatnot. So, I mean, it's it's fun to kind of hang on to those too, but also flip through, you know, you get some, you know, we do a lot of exclusive stuff in there too. So it's kind of fun because it's a little bit more featurey and, you know, goes a little bit more in depth than we're able to do with the day-to-day -day news cycle on the site. So it's, uh, it's something different for everybody, you know, and we got a lot of crossover too, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm more than a few years older than you. And I, I remember, you know, the programs, the magazines, get getting your hands on paper tickets, right? Like that was yeah. what it was all about when I was a kid. Like get like that, you I would collect them, put them on my wall. So it's cool that you guys are still getting some uh, 
some literature out there, you know, some some uh, sports memorabilia out there. Well, you know, I want to jump right in because I know that you have um, you're in close proximity to the program a lot of times. And so one of the first questions that popped into my mind was, what is the wildest sports moment that you've covered so far? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'd have to say the 2021 Ohio State game at the big house, just the whole scene. Um, I remember even tailgating with my family and some friends before the game and kind of looking at the stadium. We're like, man, is this is this going to be it? You know, snow was coming down a little bit. And sure enough, and now in hindsight, it's kind of like it kind of made sense. You know, like that that scene at the big house, it was almost like a snow globe. Uh, you know, it wasn't snowing that much, contrary to what Ohio State will have you believe. But, um, <laughs> you know, just the backdrop of everything, the, the jerseys that they were wearing, just the look of everything, it kind of made sense. So, I mean, that was probably the wildest scene. Um, so what I do is in order to get a front row seat at the press conference after the games, I basically pack up. And as soon as the clock hits zero, I'm running down the stairs, getting through the concourse. And it's always crazy. I'm going one way. Everyone else is leaving going the other way. And, and uh, you know, so I try to get that front row spot so we can get video of the press conference. So, you know, Michigan's kneeling it down. I'm kind of standing up already with my backpack on, and then I go running down the stairs. Um, this time I took a little detour though. I was like, man, they're about to rush the field. Like I want to see this a little bit. And I knew where my, where my dad and my two brothers were sitting in their section. So I kind of went up and I was trying to find them. I couldn't find them, but I just took a second to to stand there and watch the field get flooded with fans. Uh, and it was just an incredible moment. I mean, uh, a scene that, you know, you really hadn't seen probably since like 1969. Obviously, I was not around back then. But the similar type of, you know, when you watch some old clips and documentaries, it's Bo Schembechler on his uh, on his player's shoulders getting carried out, fans everywhere. Uh, it was that type of environment, something I'll never forget. Um, so that was super cool. Runners up would be the Tennessee. Uh, NCAA tournament game last year. That was the first tournament I had covered uh, in person, or actually second, uh, but first one with fans. So just that dramatic game and how fun that was was super cool. And then being on the field this past year at Ohio State uh, and seeing their fans file out before the game was over was something I'll never forget too. Just the silence of 110,000 people or 105 or whatever it is there. Uh, was quite the scene in that way, but man, nothing, nothing is going to top or maybe something will one day, but for a while, I think it's going to be the 2021 Ohio state game. That's going to stay on top just because of how magical that was. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it was literally, it was like a generational yeah. moment uh, and you were there and you were a part of it. Uh, that, that's fantastic. Um, you know, the university of Michigan has a lot of big names like we know the Jim Harbaugh's of the world like there's a lot of big names out there um have you ever been like starstruck or nervous to talk to anybody like what is the biggest moment where you just felt felt pressure either interviewing a guy or brushing shoulders with a guy uh at, at an event yeah I was thinking about this when you you shot me a little uh note before that we were going to talk about some of these things it's kind of tough like the more each year that goes by that I've been doing this uh, the less starstruck I've gotten, which I kind of feel it's almost a little disappointing because I'm not numb to anything at this point. I still appreciate how cool it is to, you know, kind of do what we're doing here. But uh, you just feel a little bit more comfortable, which is good in a sense, too. Right. Professionally. But, uh, you know, it's still that little kid in you that's kind of 
excited to, you know, it's like, wow, you know, you're talking to a Michigan football player, that sort of thing. Um, I'll say, you know, there are different, like different ways to, to answer this because in terms of nerves, like there was one where I went all the way up to Traverse city to talk to a couple guys, including JJ McCarthy last summer at a golf outing that they were doing an NIL event for. And I was a lot pretty nervous about that one because uh, talking to the PR lady there is like, okay, are we going to, is this going to work? Did I come all the way up here for nothing? Ended up doing it. How, how much time am I going to have that sort of thing? So kind of nervous about that starstruck. Um, it is just kind of weird being like my first year when I was, you know, in these press conferences and things like that. And you're just, and you know, Jim Harbaugh sitting up there and you've been watching, you know, for years him, uh, you know, Jawan Howard, um, you know, I got to meet John Beeline a, a couple times uh, and, and shook his hand a couple weeks ago when he came back for the reunion, said hi. Um, that one, to me, kind of hit close to home, too, just because I grew up a big, big fan of Michigan basketball, and John Beeline was at the forefront of all that. So, man, it's, it's kind of the ones you would expect, I guess. Um, but when I was, you know, my first few months or whatever, even phone interviews are kind of awkward a little bit. So I remember I'd get kind of nervous dialing the phone and like talking to a recruit or something like that, just because maybe not starstruck, I guess, but just kind of that awkwardness um, and, and things like that. But man, uh, a lot of fun guys to talk to. And it's been fun to get to know some of these guys as well on the, you know, kind of surface that we've been able to. You mentioned Jawan Howard in the Michigan basketball team. And I'm curious what your assessment is of Jawan and this team and how they're doing. And keep in mind, some people might not hear this until after the Indiana game, which we have no idea what how that's going to turn out. But uh, how do you feel about Jawan and this team? It's a good question because it's been up and down. I mean, they've had to deal with a couple injuries, including to Jalen Llewellyn, which I think is kind of hurt. And at least maybe at least given us a an incomplete uh, picture in terms of how to fully assess Jawan Howard's fourth team, um, because that is some adversity to deal with. And you're playing young guys that probably shouldn't be in this spot, um, you know, but it's disappointing if they don't make the NCAA tournament. I'll say that. I mean, it's kind of become the minimum or the, you know, standard at Michigan. Uh, you know, when they got in last year, they made some noise and I think people were happy with that. But then from a holistic standpoint, it's like two years and you're on the bubble. And if you don't make it one of them, uh, that'll be a little bit of a disappointment, and it would show that the trajectory is going uh, in the wrong direction a little bit. Um, but I do think overall, I think Jawan Howard's done a pretty good job. I think you know roster management and construction has been a little bit questionable in terms of depth at a couple positions, maybe a couple takes that they've had in the recruiting process. But um, still have to probably wait a year or two to see how all that exactly plays out. But um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say exactly without this Indiana game because I think it's funny how, like, everyone was so happy coming off the Wisconsin win and then Illinois happens, uh, you know, last night for us right now. And it's like people are down in the dumps. If they beat Indiana, it's going to be, uh, you know, back up and they'll be riding high and they would have won, what, 7 out of 10, I think. So um, it's hard to say exactly. I want to see this year play out. I will say this, uh, and I was writing something on this today, like Michigan definitely has some work to do to get in the NCAA tournament, but this program has found ways to, you know, make those plays or win those games that they need to in spots like this in the past. In the recent past, as recently as a year ago, as recently as 2017, as recently as 2016, when they needed the Cam Chapman shot uh, in Indianapolis against Indiana. So 
Um, you know, I do have, you know, you look at some of the analytics, it's like, all right, 20% chance to get in with this program. I kind of feel like it's a little bit higher than that just because they seem to, uh, make those plays and win those games, as I said. Uh, but also this team's playing better right now than, than they were a month or two ago. So that helps as well. But, um, yeah, I I think it's always going to be the thing with Juwan where he's always going to be compared to John Beeline, uh, which is a little bit unfair in a way because he was the best coach I think in program history. Um, so, but at the same time, if you're Jawan, you'd much rather take over that program than one from Tommy Amaker or, you know, Brian Ellerby or whatever. So, you know, he has that built-in advantage as well, but I'll be interested to see how they respond from a couple seasons that haven't necessarily lived up to expectations throughout the regular season, uh, at least. And Hey, who knows? Maybe they'll make a, a six straight sweet 16 and, and we won't really be talking too much about the Juwan Howard era. And is there pressure on him and that sort of thing? Yeah, man, it feels like they're going to sneak in again. You yeah. know, it, it just has that feeling a little bit, but they're going to have to win two more games probably. And if they lose to Indiana, they might have to, you know, win the Big Ten tournament or at least get the, to the Big Ten tournament championship game. So we'll see. But I, I, I tend to agree with you on, on you know, all the points you made. But it, it'll just be interesting to see, um, you know, see if they make it or not. Uh, let's switch to football, which is obviously the the, the sport – in Michigan that gets the most attention uh spring spring practice has been going on a little bit we've had some news trickling out but um anything notable or surprising that that you've taken away from spring ball yeah I guess probably the one thing uh and they've only had three practices and they're not in pads yet so I'm excited to see what kind of comes of the next several weeks until the April 1 spring game but so far, I mean, you look at it and it's like you started to hear buzz a few weeks ago that, okay, Amorian Walker, Michigan sophomore who was a wide receiver last year, is going to move over and play corner for the spring. Uh, and, you know, then they're going to figure out if he's going to play both ways or whatever after that. Uh, and then you talk to Jim Harbaugh last week at his press conference and he's like, yeah, we consider Amorian a starter already opposite of Will Johnson. It's like, that's some, you know, that's a, quite the jump from a kid who was kind of going back and forth last year between positions and is now considered the starter. So uh, I, I think that's probably a, a good thing for Michigan. At the same time, he's he's unproven. He's kind of new to the position. I know he played it in high school, but, um, you know, but I would say that's probably the most surprising thing that he's already established himself as the number one guy there. A lot can change. A lot probably will change. Will they continue to pursue guys in the portal after spring at the cornerback spot like they were doing before when it was open? Uh, maybe, and maybe that'll indicate, you know, how they feel about some of the guys that are on the roster and where they're at right now in their development. But I'd say right now, that's probably the spot I'm watching the most, um, you know, because there's, there's not a ton of question marks on this team. You know, I mean, you have the health of Blake Corum, he'll be fine in a couple months, you know, uh, and things like that. But, you know, it's probably that. Uh, and then I want to see how JJ McCarthy just takes the reins here and, you know, actually becomes the the quarterback of this team for a full off season. So it feels like there's a quarterback competition every year at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. And uh, now it's like th- there's no one questioning who the quarterback is for this team. So I think that could go a long way with chemistry with the receivers and the offense, you know, kind of all being on the same page and things like that as well. Well, yeah, you posted a video of Amarion uh, running a 6'10 three-cone drill, with, which I believe you said would be the fastest – of any NFL combine player ever. Right. So this, this kid obviously has some wheels and 
uh, on the defensive side of the ball, he he looks like he could be sneaky fast. Yeah, that video is insane. I watched it like a hundred times because I was like, this is the, the way he like flips his hips, ch- changes direction um, was incredible. Yeah, it's 6-1-0, three cone, which I think would be easily, uh, and I looked it up at the time, but easily the best time at the combine. I will say this, it was Ben Herbert timing. So, you know, I think he's, yeah, right. so his, he's got a little his bit. stopwatch hand might yeah, have been a little not, happy. Yeah. It's not a laser. Like he's got the he's got a quick stopwatch maybe for some of his guys, which is which is fair. I will say this though, uh, as we're recording, DJ Turner just ran a official four two five, I think was the official, or was it four two six? Four two seven. Four two seven. I saw that. Fastest in the combine so far, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, who knows? Maybe Ben Herbert's got an accurate uh stopwatch there. Uh, maybe he's not doing because there was some buzz that that DJ would be in the four twos coming into this thing when yeah. he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list last year. So uh, maybe it is accurate, man. So uh, Amorian Walker, just kind of a, a freakish athlete. I think Ronnie Bell called him an alien. So, uh, you know, he's kind of that type of dude where it's like, man, you got to just find somewhere for him on the field and find the best spot for him. And I think that's what Jim Harbaugh is trying to do. And when it comes to position switches and, you know, what position a guy's going to play. I trust this Michigan coaching staff quite a bit. We saw Mike Zainer still. We've seen it with other guys throughout the years. And Jim Harbaugh going back to Stanford. Um, you know, he kind of has an eye for that, where, where guys should end up. And I think Amorian probably is on the right side of the football for himself. And we'll kind of see how that plays out. When you mentioned Ben Herbert, and so for anybody that doesn't know, that's Michigan's strength and conditioning yes. coach. And uh, Clayton, you you recently, I think, yesterday or the day before just wrote a little story about him and and Mike Morris was quoted saying Ben Herbert mentally screws us to the point that we were prepared for any situation so um you know that that says a lot right like this guy it, it reminds me of almost like a militaristic approach right like they're they're literally putting these guys through hell so they're just ready for you know you show up across from guys like CJ Stroud and that's nothing when you've been dealing with with Ben Herbert every day. It kind of reminds me of Bruce Feldman was telling this story. He was on the Michigan sideline at the Ohio state game. And it was like midway through the fourth quarter. Mike Sainer still stood up on the bench, pointed over at the other sideline and said, they're going to crack. You know, this is, this is where we're going to rise up. I mean, I've watched Michigan, you know, for my entire life and I've seen Michigan be that team that has cracked at times. You know, you think of the 2018 game, 2019 game against Ohio state, just too many mistakes not maybe the mental toughness they needed. It's kind of flipped. And I credit, you know, a lot of that to Ben Herbert based on what a lot of these guys talk about. Jim Harbaugh said he's the X factor of this program, but Mike Morris was talking about Ben Herbert at the combine. And someone asked, you know, does he do combine drills? How does he prepare you? He said, uh, he prepares you more so mentally because this is nothing uh, because what we had to go through every day at Michigan, uh, like in the off season, apparently he would call, he would text guys at like 10 PM and be like, you're going to be in at 6 AM for a lift. So you got to be ready. Like you got to always be on edge. Uh, and he, yeah, he would try to mentally screw them. Uh, Mike said so that when they were in those big moments, those pressure moments that they could be the team that wasn't phased at all. And that's kind of what they were. I mean, think of, and he referenced the TCU game as well, but like, I mean, they didn't win that game, but nobody was given up on that sideline. Nobody was given in at all. Uh, Ohio State, they were the mentally tougher team. Penn State the year before, Nebraska the year before, Illinois this past year. I mean, there have been plenty of examples lately of Michigan being that team. And it's a hell of a lot more fun to be that team than than to be the one that, that folds, you know? I mean, and we've seen both sides of it. So I think that's that's been a real key for this program. And man, I mean, 
You talk about guys getting NFL looks and, and job offers from elsewhere. Ben Herbert's a guy you got to continue to keep happy and keep at Schembechler Hall because he has been a godsend, I think, for this program. You got to pay the man. Pay the man, Michigan. I don't know what he's making. Get Ben Herbert his money. Yeah. 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 I don't know what his salary is, but I'd give him a raise if it were me in in charge of that stuff. I'm sure he will get one. Absolutely. Well, Clayton, thank you so so much for for making the time, man. I'm going to let you get back to your weekend. And uh, before we get going, is there anything you want to plug or promote that you're currently working on? Yeah, I'd say just head to uh, thewolverine.com. We got a deal right now, twenty nine ninety nine gets you uh, premium access all the way until the football season. So as I keep saying on our podcast, each day that goes by, man, that's a worse and worse deal. So take advantage right now. Uh, we got a message board over there with thousands of people discussing all things Michigan. Um, so join us there. But man, I appreciate it. Uh, I was excited when you hit me up and uh, fun, to, fun to talk Michigan for sure with anybody and including yourself. You do a great job. So uh, this has been fantastic. So. I'll come back anytime if well, you have Well, thank me. you very much. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll have to have you on the podcast here uh soon as as a, just an actual podcast guest and we can just chop it up and talk for a little longer and so stay in touch if you ever need anything just let me know and and as always go blue. All right, and we are back. I'm I'm back here with with Matt Hartwell on the Big House Bleachers podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Uh Clayton was a gentleman and a scholar and had amazing insights, and uh, I can't wait to actually get him on the pod with us one day. It sounded like he was interested, so we'll have to have him on uh, when football season rolls back around. But let's keep this thing moving. Uh, in football news, the Big Ten announced their uh, protected rivals for um, the new... I you know I I don't know if we know how it's how the divisions are going to be structured yet. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I I might have missed that, but it looks like Michigan gets UCLA as a a protected rival, and Ohio State gets USC as a protected rival. Um, meaning they play every year. So, uh, what do you think about that, Matt? You know, I still, uh, it's kind of for me just still one of those things where it's like difficult for me to uh, put it into perspective being that it hasn't happened yet. I still just, I'm just still very resistant to the whole uh, USC, UCLA, Big Ten thing. I have yet to see it on the field, so I I don't know how it's going to translate, how those two demographic of teams are going to to play uh, cohesively on the football field. So I don't know. We'll see. You know what I mean? But uh, but maybe I'll have more of an opinion, more of a uh, like investment in it after I see it actually happen. But we'll see. You know, I'm excited for two reasons. One, that is a sick uniform matchup. UCLA versus Michigan. I mean, that's going to be sweet. Seeing, uh, you know, the UCLA baby blues every now and then and you know the different michigan uni combos and so that's going to be really sweet um but also for me i have a you know one of the bucket list stadiums for me is the rose bowl as it should be for any college football fan and now i've got an excuse to go to the rose bowl right if michigan's going to be there every other year i mean i this this is Fantastic, and I know you're you're an LA guy a little bit, Matt. You go out there occasionally. We'll have to 
have to get out there and watch Michigan romp UCLA in the Rose Bowl one of these days. Yes, I actually, I remember you and I had uh, talked about that a little bit before. Whenever it finally does happen, let's book it. I'd love to go out there to the Rose Bowl and uh, and see that matchup down there in uh, Southern California. Heck yeah, we'll make it happen. Um, in other good news, uh, a lot of the football news this week has been good. Uh, Jesse Minter, it looks like he is for certain going to be back as our defensive coordinator. I wasn't really worried about this. I don't think too many people were, but he did interview with the Philadelphia Eagles to be their defensive coordinator. It looked like he was second or third on their list. It kind of felt like one of those uh, formalities where he was going through the process to gain the experience of the interview. It didn't feel like uh, they were actually in kind of the hiring position with Jesse Minter, but... uh, I mean, this is kind of a dumb question, but are, are you excited to have Jesse Minter back? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> dude. And really, like, it, uh, it stands the test of time, you know, after, uh, like, when you look at it, a lot of these coaches that are currently on Michigan's roster, Mike Hart, Sharon Moore, uh, Jesse Minter, all of the major guys, they've had interviews for respectable uh, coaching upgrades if you will at at certain other schools where uh i don't know what the final say so was for them to stay at michigan or what the inner workings of that led up to but you know ultimately these guys are staying at michigan for another year to make another run at trying to win a championship and it's exciting man because this is something it's kind of flying under the radar a little bit but this is something that michigan fans are not accustomed to Good coaches sticking around. You know what I mean? It's one of those things that kind of just flies under the radar as uh, something that people don't realize as being as great as it is. But normally we've lost good coaches uh, after success like that. Um, and it's not happening this offseason. So I'm extremely excited about it. Well, it really speaks to the culture that Jim Harbaugh has created among the players and the coaching staff at Michigan. We've got a lot of former players uh, coaching the team. And, uh, you know, we actually removed a guy uh, that just accepted another position that made the news. And, I mean, he removed himself, but it felt like he wasn't really a culture fit, even though he had an amazing year with us, won the Broyles Award. Of course, I am talking about former Michigan offensive offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, well, it looks like he's going to Maryland. It looks like Mike Loxley is going to bring Josh Gaddis to be the offensive coordinator of the Maryland Terrapins. I don't know if it's finalized yet, but the stories that were coming out were that it looks like it's going to happen. Um, man, that's kind of exciting. We're, we're going to be going against uh, Josh Gaddis in our division of the Big Ten. Uh, how do you feel about that? Fraud Gaddis, if you will, uh, <laughs> returning to the Big Ten to be stomped by his former team once again. But uh, I'm very excited to see Josh Gaddis back in the Big Ten. I think that Harbaugh will make quick work of any offense that he's able to put out on the field for the Terps. Um, you know, we've never had much trouble dealing with the Terps as it was. Uh, I just think that this is kind of like Josh Gaddis's like 
uh, last of the line type deal before like he's not up for any more like really good gigs following this, you know, which it's funny, you know, because he could have been one of these coaches that were part of this Michigan regime that you and I were just talking about. And uh, he thought that he really had something going down there to Miami. Didn't work out the way that he had hoped it would. And uh, now he comes to Maryland. And we'll see what happens next for uh, for co- ex-coach Gaddis. You mean to tell me that you're not trembling and terrified of the, the speed and space offense? So much speed and space. I'm <laughs> we were promised speed in space and that's all any of us ever wanted but uh you know we got jj mccarthy now so i think we're going to see a little bit of speed in space next season um well all right you know we're getting close to the end but we're not going to wrap up an episode of the big house bleachers podcast without letting people know what made us say Sheesh. and so matt I'm going to let you do the honors to wrap up today and and uh, let me know, you know, this week, what made you say, Sheesh. Well, Mike, <clears throat> there can be only one sheesh this week, and uh, it comes from the Flash, the real Flash, the fastest lightning, DJ Turner, my guy running a 4.26 in the 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. I mean, just unleashed a bottle of lightning on everybody that was there. I don't think anybody saw it coming, uh, unless you were a Michigan fan. Like, who is this DJ Turner guy? But it was amazing to see Michigan, uh, (laughs) the Michigan Wolverines, lighten it up all over the Combine. So that was one thing that definitely had me saying, sheesh. DJ Turner. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I just got to say as a little disclaimer on that Clayton Safey interview that we just played, I actually said 427, which was the unofficial time that had just come out. It literally happened while we were recording the interview. And so the official time came out as a 426. Um, so I just, I had to let our, our listeners know I'm not, I'm not a complete idiot. It, it was briefly a 427 um, but I agree, DJ Turner. How had dare you sh- insult DJ Turner with that point zero one, <laughs> Michael? I know, Smelser. right? I know. Um, but I agree, you know. And and I'm going to piggyback your sheesh because Mozzie Smith bench pressed 225 pounds 34 times, and I believe that was the most among any defensive lineman in the year in the combine this year. Mozzie Smith, we already knew you were a freak, but at the Combine, you made me say, Sheesh! Matt, I got a question for you. Have you ever bench pressed 225 pounds? Uh, no. <laughs> so, this is real story, real story. Uh, at one time in my life, not too long ago, I was proteining up and pre-workout and you know six times a week in the gym bench press was my go-to i was doing the meathead thing and i i it took everything in my body i crept all the way up to where i maxed out at 225 pounds and i got it up one time and it took everything in my heart and soul and uh mozzie smith steps up and, and throws that shit up 
34 times. Like I can't even imagine. I like I literally can't even imagine how a, a human being can do that. Between you and myself, I've just returned to the gym uh over the last couple weeks. And uh after seeing that, you know, I just have no hope for the future of lifting anything. So Mozzie Smith, uh just take it back. What's the deal for putting me to shame of ever going to the gym again? You know, do a do a before and after pick and t- take a before pick of yourself right now and then p- wait and post the after after when you bench press 225 pounds 34 times. <laughs> It'll be the no. longest before <laughs> longest before and after in history. <laughs> we'll just be waiting on the after. Uh, right, I I right. believe I believe in you, my friend. Um I tell you what, I don't want to move on from the combine without uh, giving our guy Luke Schoon a sheesh because Luke Schoonmaker, uh, he ran a freaking fast 40 time for a tight end. Lightning um, tight end, dude. Yeah, yeah. And so now I'm starting to to understand why uh, he's been so high on a lot of these draft boards. I mean, we love Luke Schoonmaker, but uh, I didn't really know. You know, he kind of came out of nowhere. Eric All was our guy at the beginning of the year. We knew him from last season. He made some plays, but he really became the premier tight end when Eric All went down with an injury. Um, but now I'm starting to see he not only is he just a damn good ball player, but he's got those intangibles. Uh, I'm sorry, tangibles, like the measurables that NFL uh, people are looking for. So uh, it's cool to see that. And then uh, did you happen to see Ronnie Bell? He caught a little one-handed snag. Did you see that one? Yeah, Ronnie Bell was doing his thing a little bit, showing out too, and he had himself uh, a decent 40 time as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, the, the way I feel about Ronnie is he's going to slip uh, late in the draft. He's going to be overlooked and slept on, kind of like he's been his entire career since high school, and he's just going to outwork uh, everybody, and he's going to make himself a, a, a damn good uh, professional you know, wide receiver, maybe move over to the slot or something like he he's going to make some plays. And so Ronnie Bell, I believe in you. And, uh, you know, all of the Wolverines in the NFL draft were thinking about you, especially because Michigan basketball is letting us down. So we just we need you guys to keep showing up and showing out at the combine and and uh, leading into the draft. But uh, that about does it uh, for this week. Matt, where can people find you? They can find me on my main Twitter handle at Maze Crusader or uh, any of the stuff we're putting out at Maze and Brew. You can follow at Maze and Brew or check out at MazeandBrew.com for any of the blogs, news, and articles that they're constantly putting out over there. Heck yeah. And, and you can find me on Twitter at Wolverine Cron. I also have a website, WolverineChronicle.com, uh, YouTube channel, some other social out there. So definitely. Uh, get out there and follow. Matt and I are constantly talking about cool Michigan stuff online, so you don't want to miss it. Um, and do yourself a favor. If you've gotten to this point in the podcast, you're obviously crazy about Michigan sports. So go ahead and subscribe to the Big House Bleachers podcast. Get out your phone, you know, whatever you're listening, your laptop, whatever you're listening to the podcast on, hit the subscribe button so you'll you'll never miss an episode. You'll know when new episodes come out. And of course, that helps us as well. It helps the helps us in the algorithm. It gives us a little bit more attention. And so 
Uh, we would really appreciate it if you did that. But that does it for this week. We'll be back next week talking about Michigan um, winning the Big Ten tournament uh, on Selection Sunday. We'll be recording. So uh, I'm an incurable optimist, so I'm holding out hope. Uh, Matt, any any final thoughts before we log off here? Does uh, Does Michigan still make the NCAA tournament? You know... I'm going here's what I'm going to say. We're going to make the Big 10 tournament championship game and lose a close one to Purdue maybe, I don't know. Um, you know what? Screw it. We're going to win the Big 10 tournament. We're not even going to be sweating it on Selection Sunday. Um, I know I know everybody's screaming at me through their speakers right now saying I'm an idiot, but you know what? Let's talk in a week and we'll see who the idiot is. Michigan's going to the tournament. We're going to win the Big Ten and then we're going all the way to the national championship. For the record, I believe that Michigan is still knocking on the door of that tournament. I think that they just can't not have them some Michigan in the tournament this year. Uh, I think Michigan finds its way to uh, to win in a game or two in this tournament at least. That gets them a little bit of a nod in the uh, the eyes of the decision makers, and they are on their way to the tournament, hopefully, is my optimistic hope. Who knows if it's a first-round loss or what, but we'll see. Got to have 19 wins. That's what I think. I think we got to have 19 wins. If we don't get to 19, there's no chance. If we get to 20, then it means we won the damn thing, so then, then we'll be all right. Um, that does it for me, Michael Smeltzer. Got my buddy Matt Hartwell here, Big House Bleachers Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go blue.